Welcome back to China Through Singlasses. I'm Wu Fan. And I'm Tignan. And to celebrate reaching double digits in our podcast, we'll be diving into a topic we're both really passionate about, Chinese BL. And we'll be capturing it all on camera this time so you can see us fangirling and being serious at the same time. So if you're ever curious about who the person is that's always screaming in our podcast and dropping Japanese and Korean pop culture references, that's Wu Fan. <laughs> and the one ranting about politics in China and agonizing over how censorship is ruining everything, that's Tingnan. Yes. <laughs> so disclaimer, we will be doing an episode on LGBTQ issues and attitudes in China in the future. This episode will be focused on Chinese BL or Tanmei, and um, it's relative, it's relative, and it's related spin-off and other media creations, also known as Tankai. Mm. So to start off our podcast, and so that you get to know us a bit better, we'll be sharing a bit about our BL journey. So Tingnan will start first. Uh, my BL journey is a lot shorter than this person. It started in about 2018-2019. So I, the first BL work that I ever got into contact with, it was The Guardian or Chen Hun. So I started watching the drama and then I read the book and it got me hooked onto a bunch of other BL novels as well as dramas. Some notable ones are the more famous ones, including um, The Untamed, Chen Qingling, and its original source material, Mo Dao Zu Shi, as well as uh, Shang He Ling, which is the Chinese drama version of Tian Ya Ke. Mm. For yeah. you? So for me, uh, my BL journey started before I even knew it. So in primary school, <laughs> I was reading a lot of Sherlock Holmes, and I just low-key shipped John Locke when I was in primary school. When, back when I didn't know the concept of like gender and sexuality and all that. Like To me, they were just very cute together, and I like the fact that they're both very smart people solving cases together. Yeah, and then after that, in secondary school, I was exposed to anime, so I started watching Junjo Romantica and Sekachi Hatsukoi. And then I'm going to rapid fire through all the anime that I <laughs> the anime that I really like, okay? So including Hybrid Child, Tank Kang, Hitorijime Mahiro, Dakaichi, Given, Uraboku, Loveless, Number 6, I Know Kusabi, Maiden Rose, and DMMD, and all of these are very angsty. But it also heals my heart. So they're also very cute stuff, like Love Stage. And of course, there's also Kuro Shutsuji, which is like low-key very suggestive. Okay, then after that, we went to China for um, two months with our school and there I met my China buddy who's also a Fujoshi. <laughs> also she's very good at art, so she drew me a lot of cute fan art. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so she introduced me to Chinese VL, which is how I got to know Feng Nong, which is a, who's a really, really like um, famous BL author back in the 2000s to 2010s. Yeah, and she wrote Feng Yu Jiu Tian, which is one of my favorite BL ever. It's just set in a historical context, and there's a lot of like political struggle. And in addition to that, there's also Tai Zi written also by Feng Nong. And then I went down the entire historical Tan Mei rabbit hole. So I also really like Fu Lu, Yi Shou Feng Jiang, and Yan Nu. And then I also read 19 Days, and Te Shu Chuan Shuo, and Ni Gyo An Fen Dier. And then there's also um, the BL that Jing uh, Nan mentioned. So, um, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> to end off, there's also the Yi Ba Ba Nan Fan, which is um, an entire series of uh, BL where all the gong are very jia. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I've yeah, heard yeah. of this. It's, it's quite famous. Yeah, yeah. So there's also Yu She, Yan Nu, Qi Wei Shang, um, Ta Shang Gong Zi, and all that. So, mm. if she was to list every <laughs> single thing she's read or consumed, we will be here for more than two hours. <laughs> and it's just her listing. But okay. yes. Okay, yeah. 
Okay, so now that we have shared a little bit about our BL journey and that we've hopefully gotten you interested, we can kind of explain what BL is in terms of defining the definitions and for that we will refer to our BL Bible, <laughs> Wufan. So Wufan, what is BL? Okay, thank you Tina <laughs> for your question. Okay, so the simple answer is BL is an acronym for Boys Love and it's a genre of media which can include text-based, so novels or manga or anime or even dramas that feature male leads in a relationship with each other. So for more for BL that have more complex plots, their relationship with each other is not the main thing. So you're not watching a rom-com. It could be a lot of political struggle or like them solving a mystery and in the process of that they get closer or maybe like it's a love-hate relationship and all that. Um, yeah. So that's the form of BL. And I know that BL has a bad rap because it features overly sexualized or romanticized relationships and it sometimes also romanticizes problematic issues and for people beyond the circle they judge the content based on a fandom that's at times overly excitable so I'm not really a good example for that <laughs> yeah so but we're here to break some stereotypes because BL has a diverse range and a very long history to it Okay, yeah, so um, we're gonna kind of define specific terms. So a lot of the BR that we'll be discussing today is specifically under the Tanmei category and we will be using three separate terms. So firstly, BL, which is boys love. That is the kind of umbrella term mm. for all of this uh, content in this genre. Tanmei is the subcategory that is very popular in China. So kind of think of it as Chinese BL, is Tanmei. Mm. And then the third term is Yaoi. This one you might be more familiar with, especially if you watch anime. Yaoi is kind of the subcategory of BL in Japan. Mm. Yeah, so you want to explain a little bit about Yaoi and its origins? Mm, okay, so we'll start with Yaoi first because after all, the BL we know today originated from Japan, which started this subculture. So Yaoi actually came from Japan in the 1970s and it was a subgenre of shoujo manga back then, which is manga catered towards a female audience. And Yaoi is actually an acronym to represent Yamanashi, Ochinashi, and Iminashi, which roughly translates to no climax, no fall, and no meaning. So it refers to the fact that it's a very self-indulgent or very indulgent subgenre where uh, people just want to see two dudes get it all with each other, you know, and there's really no plot involved. But of course, uh, BL has evolved beyond that now. And because of the uh, because of the how Yaoi used to be in the past, people who read Yaoi are called Fujoshi and Fudanshi, and Fu actually means Fulan, which means rotten boys or rotten girls. So as you can see, the image of BL is attached to like quite a lot of shame from the get-go. Yeah. So like the reputation for the fandom of Yaoi is not very well liked. Like you mm. don't call someone rotten girl, rotten boy because out of endearment, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess we can say that like for Yaoi in Japan, a lot of it started as manga. Mm. So it was a very visual art form and a very visual kind of genre of content. Mm. And then moving on to Tanmei. Tanmei is, like we mentioned, the Chinese subcategory. It literally translates to indulging beauty. And it is a genre of literature and other fictional media, which again features romantic relationship between two male characters. It actually originates from the Japanese kanji tanbi, is that how to pronounce it? Mm, tanbi. Yeah. So um, the thing that separates tanmei from other forms of Chinese literature is that there's a very strong sense of aesthetic within the um, media content. And it, a lot of the times it is written with a lot of focus on aestheticism and romanticism. Like a lot of the plot as well as the scenery, all of it is 
described using very flowery language mm -hmm. and it's meant to paint a very beautiful picture mm -hmm. as well as the characters so the whole point of indulging beauty is that the characters must themselves be very beautiful like mm -hmm. that is a very important aspect of um, Chinese BL or Tan Nei mm -hmm. yeah I think it's really interesting how like a Japanese literary genre from the 1930s and 40s translated over to China I mean through Taiwan which is like a more open gateway for this kind of media and over time China also created its own genre of Danmei so now that we kind of explained a brief history of what BL is and what the subcategories are a lot of people might be wondering especially if you are not familiar with the content why is it a thing like why do people just want to see two gay men fuck <laughs> Like why is it why are you just <laughs> getting explicit from the start? Why are you so obsessed? Like I, I I was genuinely curious in the beginning. Like I because I didn't really understand. Do you think I'm weird back then? I don't think you are weird. Okay. I just was confused and perplexed. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like people who don't un like who want to watch um those pimple popping videos. Oh my god. Like you know what I'm trying to say or ASMR. If you don't understand, you don't understand. But uh, people who enjoy it really enjoy it. Just it just takes a certain Fetish, I guess. It's not a fetish, like, I think okay. it's like a quiet taste. <laughs> we are connoisseurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay. No, like, but, um, yeah, why is BL a thing? So, one of the most popular and mainstream reasons that people credit BL to be so popular is that there is no female lead in the story to steal the male lead from the female fans. So, like we mentioned, BL is very much targeted at a female audience. Mm. So a lot of the times, the female audience, when they look at, when they consume media... Female straight audience specifically. <laughs> yes, female, straight female audience. Mm. When they consume media, um, they would like to imagine or self-insert themselves into the form of media that they're consuming so that they like to romanticize and fantasize that they themselves are dating the male lead or are a male lead's romance interest. Mm. But if you're watching straight romance or straight media, then there will be the female lead who's constantly kind of competing with you in that sense mm -mm. because they are the one true person meant for the male lead mm. so you kind of always feel like damn it you know i wish i was insert like hermione or something i don't know <laughs> hey, you went wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so you know people like that kind of feeling of inserting mm. themselves and like that's the whole point of fan mm -mm. self-insert fan fiction right it's self-indulgent yeah so if you have two male leads then there are no female leads to steal the male lead from you and technically speaking you have twice the amount of fun because you can <laughs> choose between the two male leads you can even get some pee okay <laughs> <both. laughs> okay but <laughs> anyway yeah okay but uh, we would have to say that not all female characters are painted in a negative light in BL so there's also this mom archetype it could be a biological mom of the character or it could just be like a mom friend who actually really roots for the the main ship and I remember when I was reading Nike or Anfendian right the show's mom like one of the one half of the ship his own mom was like I knew you were gay the whole time I was waiting for you to tell me <laughs> it was very cute and very refreshing like you don't really see this kind of supportive parents a lot so this is a very refreshing take on um female characters outside. Yeah. So aside from the fact that it kind mm. of panders to the females, female audiences kind of fantasy, um, another reason why BL could be popular is that people have theorized that it kind of idealizes pure love mm. and the dynamics in a relationship that is not bound by societal norms. So it's kind of like reading Romeo and Juliet um, except that it's a happy ending. So where they break free from all the um, societal no, pressures. <laughs> no, okay, if, if you're reading like a happy VL. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of the times when we consume romantic 
like rom-coms or other romance medias, mm. we are looking for an idealized version, a romanticized version of love that doesn't mm. exist in real life. Mm. And how else to better prove that this is a true love than by putting two characters in the face of all adversities, especially when it comes to their sexuality. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah. Yeah, so the sentiment will be like, I love you just because of who you are, mm. rather than your sexual, uh, rather than your gender and all the things that are imposed on us. And I feel like because of BL, my standards for like a boyfriend has been elevated to the heavens. Forever. Yeah, like really. So I, <laughs> I have a friend who read um Heaven Officials Blessing, I and know. she was like, How am I gonna find a boyfriend that's not gonna wait? That's gonna wait for me for eight hundred years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke for a Tian Kuan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like we mentioned, because of all the added pressure, it also adds um, a sense of angst and also like sexual tension mm. that is very good for, if you look at it from a literature point of view, because it kind of provides this it's us against the world kind of sentiment that a lot of angsty teenagers kind of relate to <laughs> when they consume media, they are looking for that. Like, that's why people listen to emo music, yeah. I think. And a lot of people who get into BL get into it during their teens. True. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, true, like anime or like even K-pop fanfic, then you end up here. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's the it's that kind of forbidden relationship that is quite popular even amongst like straight um straight relationships. Mm. So teacher student or even incest, that sense of forbiddenness pre <laughs> kind of adds <laughs> to the um sexual tension mm. and the attractiveness of how much you want that relationship. Mm. And like we mentioned, it's good in a literature sense because it adds obstacles for the characters to overcome, which provides opportunities for character growth as well. It just overall makes for a very interesting story as compared to your normal heterosexual stories. Mm. So that could be another reason why people are so drawn to BL. Mm. Yeah, and in addition to that, there's also more equal power dynamics. So here we'll introduce a term which is homosocial. So Yaoi stories often are strongly homosocial, and in sociology, this term means that the same-sex relationships are not just of romantic or sexual nature, it could be just friendships, mentorships, and others. And researchers use this concept to explain how men uphold dominance in society, because there's this entire network of like um, men who take dominant re- positions in various uh, situations. And because of these equal power dynamics, it gives men freedom to bond and pursue shared goals with each other or to rival each other, which adds on to even more tension in the story. So the tension isn't just from a sexual accepting yourself and accepting each other point of view, but also from the point of view of uh, in other contexts, like let's say within the workplace or like politically, these characters are sometimes pit against each other also. Yeah, and another point of equal power <laughs> dynamics is that a lot of the times, like we mentioned, because BL's primary target audience is straight women, when they themselves are in relationships, they find it very stressful or like pressurizing because of the societal norms in terms of gender roles when they are imposed <laughs> on straight relationships. So you always expect the male in a straight relationship to be more powerful, dominant, mm. the breadwinner, etc. And for the women to be more submissive, held back, they're supposed to they're supposed to care for the family more and contribute more and sacrifice themselves. So it is very difficult for them to, no matter how powerful the female characters are, that societal the level of societal expectation will always be there. Whereas mm. if it's a story of two male leads, there isn't that power in balance that is inherently involved in the story. They can just enjoy the story for what it really is, which is two equals, mm. um, both developing their relationship and developing themselves in terms of their career or aspirations. So in a sense, it serves as a form of escapism or fantasy for mm. straight female audiences. 
Well, actually, I wanted to add yeah. on something, which is like within, like especially when we talk about like male versus male rivalry, for example, in a story, there's also this avenue where one of them, let's say, if they lose in this rivalry, it breaks the masculine ego. And I know that for some female audiences, that also serves as a form of escapism and fantasy because they feel like in viewing this kind of storyline, they're also subverting the power dynamic that they have to submit to in real life. Yeah, so... Yeah, like, it's very difficult to get guys to admit they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, on a social level, and also, like, let's say, if you think about BL in a very physical way, then, like, there's also a physical power struggle. And sometimes there's, like, the ego break or mind break trope, which is a bit problematic. But also, at the same time, it serves as a form of fantasy. La. Yeah. So... Uh, moving on, another aspect of BL that makes it gain its popularity is that it allows readers to explore their own sexuality and gender expressions. Mm. So, firstly, f- I think there's a need to differentiate the difference between sexuality and gender mm. because these two are often conflated. Mm-hmm. It could be due to ignorance or it could be due to malice, <laughs> but I think we need to clarify. So, sexuality is who you are attracted to. in relation to your own gender expression. Mm. So let's say I'm a cis straight woman, that means I'm attracted to mostly like men. Yeah, so that Mm. is the gender expression that I'm attracted to. Mm. Whereas gender expression is how I express myself. So I could be cis, I could be um, like masculine, I could could represent as non-binary. There are different forms of gender expression. So these two are slightly different. So like we mentioned, First of all, this story in these stories in BL are not straight, so they are very much focused on gay relationships. So between two sh- two gay men, so that already pushes audiences out of their comfort zone, mm. which is the heteronormative society we live in. Secondly, yeah. um, a lot of the male characters in BL stories may or may not identify themselves as straight, not as straight as um, male. cis male. Mm. Yeah. So they might express their gender in a slightly different way. They may be more effeminate mm. or they might identify as cis but they sometimes participate in cross-dressing and other aspects of gender expression. Mm. So this kind of again pushes audiences outside of their comfort zone and outside of what they are familiar with in terms of mainstream media which is very stereotypical like macho guy, Captain America, Hulk kind of vibes. You don't see a lot of representation of different types of gender expressions in males in other stories, whereas um, BL stories has more freedom and room for their characters to express themselves differently. Mm, I think the caveat is that the dominant idea of masculinity right now is quite influenced by Western tropes. Yeah. And BL specifically, we're talking about the Chinese type of BL where a lot of the uh, male characters featured are more beautified and more effeminate. So yeah, so talking about the point of gender expression and gender identities, we talk about a lot of characters who don't conform with gender stereotypes, so maybe the top character could actually look very effeminate. And um, along this train of thought, we want to introduce a term called East Asian Soft Masculinity, which a lot of researchers, when looking at male K-pop idols and male dra- drama idols in East Asia, realize that they don't just represent like um, sometimes emotionally repressed and masculine macho male uh, images they also show a more effeminate side uh, in terms of the physical uh, dress way of dressing and also how they show care and concern for other people in a more emotionally sensitive manner so um, especially in Chinese Danmei and Chinese BL because of the beautified and uh, very descriptive writing style a lot of these uh, male characters they accentuate this kind of soft East Asian masculinity and it actually allows audiences to see that okay there's 
an entire diverse range of gender representations possible. And for readers themselves, I know that uh, while I was interviewing people who watched Chen Qingli, uh, The Untamed, they said that some of them, they were quite confused about how they want to express themselves in terms of their gender. But after watching The Untamed, they see that, okay, there are people who are wearing, like male characters wearing like flowy robes and they have like very long, uh, long hair and stuff like that. And so and, it like, gives makeup. them- yeah, 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 the red eye. <laughs> ah, I love it. But yeah, it gives them a, f a kind of model that they can model after. And it just opens up a world for them. They don't actually have to follow a certain uh, concrete set of rules uh, in the way they choose to represent themselves. Yeah. yeah. And also talking about sexuality, a very common trope within BL is that the male characters might identify as straight from the beginning and then they might meet their love interest and then become like by one which is a Chinese term for literally like bending into curves like <laughs> so you identify as straight right yeah. and then this person comes along and then you no longer identify as straight <laughs> yeah. so it is not just common in Chinese BL I'm sure it's common in like other countries BL as well mm. so it's it's another form of exper experimenting with different types of sexuality and your own orientation because there's also works that I've read where the character identifies bisexual in the beginning mm. and then realize that they are actually gay. So yeah, sexuality is fluid, you do you. But mm. I think BL is very much a gateway for people to realize, oh, there is a world out there that is not just straight. Mm -mm -mm. And there's different ways of express expressing yourself and experimenting with orientation. Yeah, yeah. so on, on the train of thought of like the world out there that's not just heteronormative. I think the good thing about BL is because of all these diverse representations, it also opens people up to the idea of going without labels entirely and to just love someone for, you know, who they are. Yeah. I feel like there's a need to address that there's a difference between BL and LGBTQ media. So firstly, BL is typically created and targeted towards a heterosexual female audience. So it is written or created by straight women for straight women. Of course, that's not representative of the entire creator and fan base. There's a lot of um, gay men or straight men or non-binary individuals. But I would say 80% of the target audience, uh, as well as the creator pool, is straight women. So that is very important to clarify because I do not personally think that BL is meant to be representation. It is more, it serves more as a fantasy for women. Mm. So I would not say uh, Western works such as Heartstopper or Love, Simon, I do not think those qualify as BL. I think those fall more under LGBTQ media because of the lack of, I quote, fantasy for women aspect. And to me personally, there is a little bit of a fetishization of MLM relationships inherently within BL works. Mm. So essentially, I guess the best way to explain it, it is like the female equivalent of men watching lesbian porn. <laughs> like you wouldn't say lesbian porn catered towards men, it's LGBTQ media, you know mm. what I'm trying to say? It still caters towards a male gaze, right? Like yeah. the women dress a certain way that men have liked across like all those magazines and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so like, it, I wouldn't say that um, BL is very representative of how actual LGBTQ relationships of people are in the in the most common generic sense. There are I've spoken to friends and there are a lot of queer creators who are up and rising within the BL space. So mm. that's very good for them. We we welcome everyone to enjoy BL of course, but we have to recognize this distinction because there is no direct relationship between um, BL and people who support LGBTQ 
rights or are queer themselves. Mm. In fact, there are some fans of BL who are homophobic. I won't say that they are the majority. I would say maybe they are the minority. But I was expecting zero. You know, like it's it doesn't quite make sense. It's like turfs. You know, like turfs. Turfs are people who are quote unquote feminists who do not support trans women. Like oh, okay, yeah, okay, which okay. is very confusing, right? Because you support <laughs> women. Why don't you support trans women? We- trans women are women. But anyway, so like um. Because of the aspect of female fantasization as well as like escapism, a lot of the times these straight women consume BL not because they genuinely think that it is okay to be gay, but mm. it is more as a way to fit into their own fantasy. Mm. So that could also possibly explain why GL, which is girls' love, is not as popular as BL, because it is again gay. But the thing is. It does not fit into their fantasy of like, oh my god, hot guys. <laughs> Because now reading as a let's say straight female audience, yeah. you have to, you can literally put yourself in the shoes of the female characters, and then if you are homophobic yourself and a straight female. Audience, then you cannot relate to the story at all. Yeah. yeah, because you are not attracted to the main characters. You see, so yeah, that's one of the things that we feel like is very important to bring up. Hmm. Actually, before we move on to the rest of our podcast, I just want to bring up um. A few categories of possible female fantasizing readers for BL, and for this, I have to give credit to this YouTube channel called El Majong Yu Yu Ping Dao. So they are a Taiwanese cosplaying couple, and they always uh, upload videos that open up conversations about gender and sexuality, especially within the cosplay circle. So thank you for those videos. So um, within the fantasizing female audience of BL, there are three categories: one called 梦女 one called 女 A, and one called 上帝视角 So Meng Nui literally means、um, dreaming girl. So this describes the kind of female audience who、uh, imagine themselves dating the male characters. Yeah, and then another one is Nui A, and then Nui A actually represents a new kind of、uh, relationship nowadays, which is Nui A Nan O, and this like alpha woman and omega man. man. Yeah. So this this reader right might actually imagine themselves as the male top in the BL, taking on a more dominant position in society and within the relationship. Yeah, and then the last will be 上帝视角 So you imagine yourself as an omnipresent god, and basically you're like a guardian angel, and you just support all the relationships. Voyeurism. <laughs> <laughs> so right now we're gonna start talking a little bit more about Chinese BL, um, in particular. So how did Chinese BL originate as compared to Japanese BL or Yao Yi?、Mm. Um, a lot of yaoi actually started from manga, which is a very visual sense of a visual. Form of art,、mm. whereas for Chinese BL or Tanmei, a lot of it actually started in the early two thousands on literature websites or web novel websites. So the most most famous one would definitely be Xinjiang, uh, 文学城 which is also known as Xinjiang Literature City.、Mm. It is a website that was founded in two thousand and three and has since amassed seven million registered users with over half a million titles. So how it works is actually is kind of like AO three or Wattpad if you had to pay. I think、mm. Wattpad you might have to pay. I'm not sure. I never. I don't use it. It's a bit trashy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. So it, the authors are mostly amateurs or people who just want to write. They are not、oh. published authors or like famous authors, and um, it kind of charges you by a membership so that you can unlock certain chapters and you read it as it's being updated. So、mm. it's kind of like AO three in that sense.、Mm. So that's how a lot of the very famous works of BL, especially in its early days,、mm. were first published. They were online, and of course, some of it later on got. 
published into physical copies as well. But a lot of the physical copies are not as um, juicy as the web novels because mm. of censorship problems. Yeah, so that is the kind of origins of Chinese BL. It is much more formed in a literature base as compared to the Yaoi version, which is in a manga base. Mm-mm. Yeah, and on this point, I want to like casually shout out to the Chinese education system that has groomed people to write really, really well. Like, I know since primary school, they have to memorize like entire ancient texts text and poems, and this really translates very well into especially historical Chinese tanmei. Like, the writers really are so creative, and they draw references to so many literal uh, literary texts. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a feature of Chinese BR which is very interesting, which is the gong show dynamics. So gong and show actually also are borrowed from Japan. So gong represents the top parallel, which is the person who attacks in a relationship, and show represents the person who is more like a bottom and receives in a relationship. But compared to the idea of top and bottom in, let's say, Western media, gong and show represents more of the... It also represents the social aspect instead of just the kind of position they take on in bed. And for... Gong and show in Chinese BL, there are actually like a shit ton of different ways to categorize what kind of gong it is and what kind of show it is. So I'll just rapid fire some of the ships I know, okay? For example, Gui Chu Fu Hei Do S Jia Mao Nian Xia Xiao Hong Hong Gong, Ao Jiao Tiao Xing Do M Ren Qi Guai Guai Show. Like, <laughs> like whenever people do recommendations for like BL and they want to just help to help readers summarize the kind of dynamic they have, right? There's like a shit ton of different ways to. Describe Ch- Yeah, describe what kind of top that person is, what kind of bottom that person is. And it and all these descriptors, right, it encapsulates like the person's personality, the kind of job they have, um, the kind of um how do I say how they approach their relationship and, and all that. So it's like there are a lot of different different tropes in Chinese BL. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating to me because it's very a lot of people will pick and choose the BL works that they consume based off th- these tags. Dynamics. Yeah, yeah, people have very particular tastes mm-hmm. for what they like in terms of top and bottom dynamics, which is something that I do not see in other forms of media. Mm. Like, you do not see people summarizing the plot of um, Netflix shows and recommending it to people based <laughs> off the character <laughs> dynamics within the show. It's yeah, usually it's about like the context or like what or happens, like right? the premise. So mm. for example, when people recommend the Hunger Games, they're like, oh, it's like a reality show where people kill each other. Yeah. They don't say like, oh, it's Katniss like, is the girl boss who takes over the relationship. <laughs> yes, like it's very character focused mm. and um, we we'll, this transitions to the fact that people are very obsessed over precisely who the top is and who the bottom is mm. in a relationship. So I do not know if this is common across other countries' BL, but in Chinese BL, it is very, very particular for fans to be exact and precise about who the top and bottom is mm. in a relationship. Yeah. So let's say John Locke. John Locke is a very popularized term, but if you think that Sherlock is the top, then you cannot write John Locke. You need to write Sher John. Like Sherson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because so if you write John Locke, people will criticize you for yeah, it because yeah, they're like, that's not canon. Like, like you know, even though yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I think there are two aspects to this. Yeah. One is that the idea of Gong and Show has to be fixed. So the show will always be a show, and there's a trope called fan gong Chang, which means like one day the show is like, I want to try to top for once. And then while trying to top, right, they like start blushing and like sweating and crying or whatever, and then they realize that, ah yeah, I cannot do this, I prefer to be dominated. And then the gong will be like, haha, I knew that all along. You know, it's like that trope, it's called fan gong Chang. Yeah. It's very stereotypical and like archetypal, because like we mentioned, um, 
people are very fixated on top and bottom dynamics mm. and there doesn't seem to be a concept of verse in a lot of the BR works mm. even though verse is short for versatile which means that you can take on either positions mm. and this verse bro is something that is a Okay, I think a lot of people actually identify as versatile in real life for people who are actually LGBTQ. So again, this means that BL isn't always representative of real LGBTQ people. Mm. It's really much more of a fantasy for women. And the top-bottom dynamics that's so fixed and normalized is actually being criticized for being adhering to heteronormative gender roles within same-sex relationships. So you know how you meet someone who is in a same-sex relationship and people will ask, oh, so who's the guy in the relationship? <laughs> and it's so frustrating, but the kind of obsession with top-bottom dynamics kind of reflects that question mm. and the mentality behind it where people assume that same-sex relationships must operate like you know, mm. um, like heterosexual relationships where there must be a dominant party and a submissive party mm. and that it can't be fluid or that those things are just social constructs. Yeah, I think it's because like of the current dominant heteronormative schema, right? So when people, let's say someone who's, especially someone who's new to the community, when they read something like BL, they will directly want to map it onto whatever is um, familiar, to, familiar them. to them. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't help that within B Chinese BL, there are already quite fixed roles like that. But I don't want to say it, I, don't, I don't want to generalize it in that way. But at the end of the day, because BL serves a certain fantasy, right? And if someone writes a fic that like subverts this kind of relationship, then it can also be seen as something that's uh, not canon, which is an issue that a lot of fanfics deal with also. Yeah. yeah. So like we mentioned, the obsession with top and bottom dynamics even extends to the point where there will be full-on debates amongst fans about who is top and who is bottom if mm. it is not made explicit in the original work which sometimes the author doesn't just doesn't want to make it explicit like they are not trying to make it sexual but then people will literally write I've seen on forums people writing full-length essays like reason why A is a top and not a bottom <laughs> in the relationship point one, point one, point one, one point one, point two. yeah and then there will be people like especially for works that are being updated in mm. the and works in progress people will literally place their bets they'll be like I'm five chapters in I'm placing my bet that C is the top in this who's relationship who's gonna come out on top literally America, America's next top model <laughs> Yeah, so, and then people will fight each other and be like, whatever you say is incorrect because I have my speculations. Yeah, it's very intense, is what we're trying I, to say. I know say. that there's a, like, China equivalent of Tumblr kind of called Lofter, and people actually will go on to, like, full-on debates about this kind of things, and there are actually very specific naming conventions for the kind of text you want to put on, because firstly, you have to negati navigate censorship. So there's a lot of different, very specific acronyms that represent different ships, and you must follow the acronym because, once again, you must adhere to the top-bottom dynamics. And... Like, if you think about it, within the fandom itself, there's a lot of gatekeeping involved, whether it's like socially or just according to the guidelines. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of top and bottom dynamics and just general couple vibes, um, we are dressed like this for a particular reason. <laughs> there's this theory called <laughs> 自古红蓝出 CP. So CP represents couple pairing and character pairing. So a lot of the BL we know, right? For example, in uh, Chen Xingling, Dian Tain, Mo Dao Zu Shi, it'll be a blue person and a red person in terms of the clothes they wear. Yeah. And then there's another one called Hey by True CP because the one person will be like, black one person will be white in terms of the clothes they wear or like their hair colour and stuff like that yeah so but we need to clarify we're not couples so. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just like her yeah, yeah yeah and there's also another theory called 两兽必有一公 which means if two people with massive bottom vibes come together and at the end of the day one of them definitely has to be the top otherwise the story cannot continue because you must have a top and a bottom uh, but I know that 
I know that in some, real life, yeah. that's not always how it works. Yeah, like they can just be friends, but in no, real... it's not just friends. Like even okay, but to be fair, I okay, <laughs> I have this friend who was okay, okay. um gay, and then she was telling me that like, <laughs> if you have two bottoms in a relationship, just nothing gets done. <laughs> I'm not sure how true it is. I haven't tested it on myself. So if you are, you know, um, I mean, it could also be a relationship where there's no sex involved, but they're very yeah, like, romantically interested in each other. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is why we feel like the obsession with top bottom dynamics can be very inaccurate to real life and also very restricting. Mm. Yeah, like you have to conform to this. You can't write versatile roles or you can't write people who are dynamic and fluid. Mm. It just seems a bit. You know, restricting. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like there are also like different pockets where people are feel feel the freedom to share the kind of content they want to create. Mm-hmm. Like I know for AO three nowadays, like in the past, there are quite a lot of like arguments going on in the comment section. But nowadays, people will be like putting disclaimers themselves and saying like, "This is not gonna be canon. Uh, if you don't like it, don't read it." Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So moving on from Tan Mei, which is the original works, to Tan Kai. Mm. So Tan Kai actually is a acronym for Tan Mei Kai Bian. Which stands for adaptations of Danmei works. So these adaptations can be in the form of manhua, which is comics, tonghua animation, audio dramas, which are guangpuoju, or live action television series or Chinese dramas in general. Wangju, like, yeah, wangju.、Mm. Like we mentioned, because a lot of the source materials are actually very popular web novels, and a lot of the fan base would like to see other versions of these web novels, kind of like how Harry Potter was <laughs> made into movies and all the popular books are made into movies.、Mm. Uh, people, are, there's an audience for these kind of content, and the Chinese. Capitalists are like yes, you want money. As <laughs> Chinese capitalists are like yes, you want content. We will make money off of you.、Mm-mm-mm-mm. So we will definitely support and produce all these adaptations, <laughs> whether or not the Chinese government allows it. <laughs> <laughs> so firstly, we're gonna talk a little bit about Guangpuoju or audio dramas.、Mm. This um category of adaptations, I think, are the most popular for or the best or the most known for their. Sexually explicit chapters.、Mm-hmm. So <laughs> your face, <laughs> I know things. <laughs> so like, basically, um, long story short, if you are familiar with like Yao Yi audio books, it's kind of similar,、mm. where um a lot of the sex scenes that are not allowed to be explicit in other forms of content, let's say visually visual content、mm. like movies or dramas,、mm. they can be allowed in audio dramas, and、mm. people and the audience really eat that up. Yeah, it's, you... it's very immersive. Like, <laughs> I I I don't know how the male characters. Like they moan and like they say very very explicit things with each other. Yeah, the thing is, I can. I just the thing though. Like I don't consume a lot of audio dramas, okay, okay. but every time I con- consume them and it gets to the moaning part, I just like cringe because I can only visualize professional What voice visualizing <laughs> professional voice actors in those studios. No, but they are not always together talking to each other. But that's、imagine、even worse. You are even you are you are moaning alone. No, I'm so amazed by how they can imagine and evoke those sensations. You know, like they are just really really professional. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just it just gives me like, <laughs> I no. It just sounds. Why should get killed? <laughs> Because if let's say you are a porn actor or something,、mm. right? At least you are kind interacting of interacting off someone. But if you are literally just in a booth, like I'm not sure if you've seen um audio like、uh, recordings、mm. of people who are recording audio in the professional sound booths,、mm. like when you see people record sound songs. They are literally just in like a glass box, isolated, isolated、la. with like headphones. And then can you imagine like there's a sound person listening, just listening to you moan? 
Stop it! It's a profession. I know, but it's very. No, but it, it, I think it's quite cute because like there are some voice actors, right? If they're always cast in the two lead male roles, it's almost like there's a joke uh, that they're always like in different radio stations. It's a joke that it's it's like the voice actors they are kind of dating each other in like different radio dramas because it's the same pair of like yeah. dra- actors in yeah. different shows. But at the at the end of the day, they just become very good friends. It's it's very cute, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So and, yeah. Yeah, so for radio dramas, I really love uh, Bian Jiang and Ah Jie. These are two extremely famous uh, voice actors in China, and they actually they voice Lang Wang Jie and Wei Wu Xian. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's another person called Guo Hao Ran. And the reason why I listen to BL dramas, right, is actually actually the top one reason is because some of them has damn nice voices. So there's this person called Guo Hao Ran, and he's basically like the typical Lao Gong voice. And the gong is the top gong, not the husband gong, because like he voiced Xiao Qun from Niang Niang Qiang and Lu Shangjing from Trey Er Zhi Shi, and oh my god, his voice is like, I I love his voice. I'm like a Sheng Kong. <laughs> yeah, I love good voices. Okay, so moving on from audio dramas, we have web dramas, which is um we specifically chose the category of web dramas because we couldn't find any BL. Traditional, conventional TV, TV screen, TV yeah. screen dramas because um in China it's kind of weird. Web dramas or like streaming platform productions operate on a different set of censorship rules than mm. regular broadcast television dramas. Mm. So it's kind of like if Netflix and your cable like had different rules to begin mm. with. So because of that, web dramas tend to be a lot more relaxed in terms of censorship. Therefore. A lot of the BL adaptations can only be made into web dramas.、Mm, I kind of feel like there are two reasons. So, like、mm. the reason why web dramas are more liberal is because, firstly, they tend to have less、uh, money going into them as compared to like actual TV broadcasted、uh, dramas. Smaller budgets. Yeah, yeah, smaller budgets. And the second reason is because I think some the government is also try- trying to cater to like what the population is. Uh, okay with right, so most people who watch cable TV are like the older generations.、So、yeah, true.、Like, yeah, they're probably like not gonna accept this kind of content. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, a lot of the most popular Chinese uh BL works are web dramas.、Mm. So notable ones include The Guardian, Cheng Huan from two thousand and eighteen. Jinan's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favorite. Okay, it's my introduction to BL. Okay. Yeah, and then Mo Dao Zhu Shi, which is translates to the founder of Diabolism. But the Chinese drama version is called The Untamed or、mm. Chen Qingling. That、mm. was in two thousand and nineteen,、mm. and then Shan Heling, A Word of Honor. That was in twenty twenty one. So I'm sure if you're interested in Chinese BL, you have definitely heard of these. And even if you're not interested, you've definitely seen gifs of it on like Tumblr. Or Especially Mo Dao Zhu Shi. Yeah, Mo Dao Zhu Shi is the one with the guy in black and red, with the counterpart in. White and blue, yeah, and yeah. they they are, they look like they are in Chinese ancient China, flowy robes, flowy robes, and yeah. like, and then there are also the rabbit versions of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is very cute. But I I think Mo Dao Zhu Shi is the one that elevated Chinese BL to an international stage, so that's probably the one that. Might have been an introduction for a lot of people. Yeah.、Mm. So the problem with adaptations in general, especially web drama adaptations, is that in order to pass censorship laws as、mm. well as to adapt to the new form, which is a visual form,、mm. certain things have to be changed and like creative decisions have to be made, especially when it comes to things like sexuality.、Mm. So、um, a lot of the times. People, the especially the investors who want to ensure that these things pass censorship laws,、mm. might change the main characters from two guys to one guy and one girl, or they will <laughs> have two guys but they will make it much less explicit that they are dating、mm. and add in a female interest or anything along those lines. 
that will genuinely anger the original fan base. It's kind of like if you tell if you tell someone who is a Harry Potter fan, <laughs> I'm gonna make a Harry Potter movie, and then in the first scene of the movie, what Hagrid is like, Harry, you're not a wizard. <laughs> What's the point of the entire show if the premise of the show is two gay men dating and then you change it into one guy and one girl? Then mm. the fans will obviously be very, very disappointed. Mm. And as we can, I mean, as we previously said, uh, the sexuality of the character sometimes is also a very important driving point for the character development arc. Yeah, because they have to face social limitations and stuff like that. So if you remove that entirely, it just and replace it with a character that faces different kinds of limitations in life and has an entirely different identity in general, it just doesn't really work as a story. Yeah, and also think about like character traits and mm. things that uh, make that character them. Mm. If you change the ident- if you change their gender identity completely, then a lot of it won't flow as well in the mm. story. Yeah. So a little bit more in depth about the different works that we mentioned. I enjoyed Chen Huan, which is the Guardian, but she didn't watch it. So for people who don't know the show, um, I think that the novel, which is the source material, is okay. It's pretty good, <laughs> but the show is absolute garbage. Except for the fact that the two ma- main actors mm. are incredible. Mm, so mm, if you mm. want to consume the show, I strongly suggest you just watch YouTube edits of it. Basically, and, what I did, <laughs> and just watch and enjoy the incredible chemistry and acting capabilities of the two main characters (laughs) because there's so many like glaring problems with the actual show itself in terms Mm. of plot in terms of production cgi cgi looking like (laughs) microsoft paint yeah so i just don't think that it's worth watching the entire show Mm. you can just enjoy you can get as much enjoyment out of the show from just watching the um, fan-made edits fan-made AMVs and, and stuff like that yeah 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 and maybe the interviews will be more enjoyable than the actual show yeah because um so in china after productions closed like after the drama is aired there's definitely going to be press right so in china there's this thing called shouhou fuwu which is after service care mm. um essentially it's kind of like when you buy something and you expect warranty <laughs> a lot yeah. of chinese audiences they expect the actors to be very close in real life mm. it may not be romantically but at least they expect them to be like good friends mm. especially during the press tours yeah. it's kind of like when you watch uh, marvel movies mm. and there's a bunch like a gazillion different youtube videos that's like ha marvel cast being marvel cast like banter yeah. especially the spider-man and zendaya yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh, Tom Holland. yeah Tom Holland and zendaya. Yeah, yeah 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 so they expect the actors to be very close to each other mm. and like bent off each other mm. during the press tour mm. so the, the pre- chemistry on screen and off screen must retain a certain fantasy yeah yeah, yeah. so for Zheng Hun, if you're into like after service care <laughs> Zheng Hun, the two main characters have <laughs> very good have a very strong friendship outside of their production mm. so if you watch our interview is actually very very cute yeah but I do not support shipping in real life but I do think that they are very good friends <laughs> yeah I find it really cute how people can form genuine friendships after working on a certain project together yeah, yeah that's a kind of happy feeling I get when I watch their interviews yeah okay so moving on to Mo Dao Zhu Shi the founder of Diabolism The Untamed Chen Qing Ling they're all the same show by the way so um, there are two differences two main differences in a show that to me didn't make it as satisfying to watch so the first thing would be that in the actual novel the ending actually featured a lot of especially a lot of extra episodes where uh, rather extra chapters where the main characters lead a happy life together and stuff like that but uh, in the drama they had to leave the ending in a more ambiguous light so um, without giving too many spoilers I guess the drama left it in a more poetic way it carried forward a lot of the symbolisms in the show and I think 
in terms of production, the team actually tried their best to you know navigate censorship laws, but also leave fans with much to be desired, I guess. So another problem with the show that actually was a bigger problem was that Wen Qing, which is one of the uh, more Side characters. Yeah, I would say she's one of the more major female characters. But at the end of the day, she's like number six, number seven in terms of like importance level. <laughs> yeah. So the, the 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 actress herself, or maybe her own team, kept trying to increase her screen time. So um, they actually spun a lot of different stories that uh, gave her close relationships with a lot of the main characters, a lot of the male characters who actually don't have that much interaction with her in the actual novel. So I think it pissed off fans in a lot of different ways because firstly this is a Chinese BL so almost all of the relationships are gay relationships. So the addition of her in the first place is like not canon and secondly it's the fact that it ruins a lot of the fantasies and yeah it just pissed off a lot of people because um, within the show itself apart from Lao Anji and Wei Wuxian the main ship there's also like other side ships that fans have created themselves in fanon so yeah just her messing out with all these ships is just not okay it's like the Harry Potter I'm so sorry I'm making a lot of Harry Potter references are you a Potter hit? I am I, I, I do not support J.K. Rowling but the thing is um, <laughs> yeah like it's it's like when the Harry Potter director included a scene of Hermione and Harry Potter dancing in one of the last few movies with Ron like not in the picture like Ron had left I don't know why like, I think oh he was God. angry and they shared a slow dance with each other and everyone was like what are you doing like it just doesn't make sense it's not canon it doesn't make sense in their <sighs> characters it's like out of character for them so yeah that's why people were kind of upset like why are you adding things that do not make sense and are out of character into the show mm, yeah. Yep, yep. but I think one good thing that came out of the Untamed or Mortal Zushi is that it got so popular all, all over the world mm. that it really globalized Chinese culture, specifically like ancient Chinese culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not because you think of modern China, you think of like Chinese Communist Party and yeah, Mao Zedong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> all the bad vibes. And made, yeah, made in China things. Mm, mm, you know, poor like, quality content. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, plagiarism, <laughs> copying mm. things. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, um, it really popularized and got a lot of people into understanding oh so ancient China actually has a wealth of culture and mm. art and other things for us to explore and morality yeah, yeah. so um, one of the things that I saw that was quite embedded of whatever I'm just mentioning is uh, the discourse on Twitter about why there are so many different names to each part each mm. character so for example the main characters had I think three names Wei Wuxian Wei Ying and um I cannot remember. I can't remember the answer. The I answer. all his other titles. Yeah, so... Yiling Laozu. Yiling Laozu, yeah. Yes. And the thing is, pe different people of different social stature, age, and socioeconomic status... And will, how close they are with each other. Yeah, will refer to the same character by a different name. Mm. So that is a very particular aspect of Chinese culture. So mm. a lot of the things that people don't know about Chinese culture, they were introduced mm. via the series. Mm. And they, it kind of piqued people's interest. And I think it's a very good thing that mm. I think it works better than any form of like publicity from the government mm. or like campaigns. Yeah. Because people are genuinely interested and invested in the series. I think this is like a very good case of interest-driven research uh, inspired by a piece of media that just sparked so many people's interest and imaginations about China in general that people really wanted to dig into this entire premise and especially because it's not just about traditional China there's also a lot of other tropes involved like wuxia, xianxia mm. which if you don't actually know the genre itself 
you don't really understand a lot of the things that's going on. For example, what's cultivation? What what are the demons? Are they are these demons the same as why the are they immortal? Like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Why, why why do they how have come like, they can fly? How do they have like random colorful things going out of their bodies <laughs> and yeah. things? Yeah, and and I think it really helps. It's really helpful when there are people who are bicultural and bilingual in both Chinese and English. They were coming out with meta threads on Twitter and Tumblr, just entire essays to explain all these things to um, audiences who are interested, and it just created a lot of cross-cultural interaction overall, which yeah. is really really nice to see. Yeah. yeah. So another work that got uh, international notoriety was Word of Honor. This was a lot more recent in twenty twenty one. Um, this one is very well known in both within China as well as overseas mm. because it is one of those Chinese BL dramas that is very explicit not in a <laughs> sexual sense but in a sense that um, it is much more flirtatious and in mm. your face and less suggestive and toned down or subtle because of censorship which we will discuss, uh, which we will discuss later the, a lot of the Chinese BL works have to hide the male romance under the guise of friendship or mm. brotherhood mm. but this particular drama the <laughs> content and the words uttered the like the lines uttered by the characters are mm. a lot more suggestive in a sense it's straight up people hitting on each other it's like I love you but in italics and very literary <laughs> culture references yeah, yeah it's like one character is constantly waxing lyrical about his love and admiration like referencing romance poems yeah, yeah. and talking to the other it's character it's like you're so hot because of a specific body yeah. part <laughs> okay, literally. okay yeah literally yes so yeah. um because of that, the show got into a lot of problems later. Mm. But at that point in time, when it was first broadcasted, a lot of people were very excited because mm. they were like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen something so out in the sun like in a very long time in China." Yeah, especially. but I think it has to. I think the um, Shan Heng has to thank Chen Xingling for being a successful predecessor. So it gave the production team courage to do something a little bit more. Chen Xingling walked, so Shan Heng could run. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, another thing that was very important in Shang Ling was a lot of the literature references that we mentioned that was also kind of present in Chen Xingling which is like the characters mm. names all mm. had different meanings mm. especially in Chen Xingling some of the characters names were full on like uh, drawn from poems yeah, yeah, ancient yeah. Chinese poems and a lot of it just uh, for international fans who don't understand the subtitles like what's going on there were a lot of discussions online or like oh so this is the original poem mm, and this mm, is what mm, it means and mm. when used in this context why does it sound so suggestive yeah. and why does it feel like a proclamation of love even yeah. though it, people who do not understand Chinese are just like what the hell are they saying <laughs> yeah. yeah and also like a lot of the locations have like real geographical references to real parts of China mm. and I think in a in a Donghua they actually use like real dialects right yeah, yeah it was very fun because dialects are usually not allowed in China Chinese productions. Yeah. But yeah, so now that we've talked a lot about Tan Gai, which is the adaptations, we can talk a little bit more about what makes Tan Mei the literature form of, you know, the original source materials mm. so unique. Mm, okay, so Tan Mei to me has a very specific writing style. As we mentioned just now, it's about indulging in beauty and it draws from a long history of very descriptive, lyrical, poetic kind of writing. So let's say um, even during like the most raw sexual aspects of the story let's say like the two characters are having sex right and then like the, the the writer can spend like two whole paragraphs just going through how beautiful the bottom looks during the entire process and stuff like that and <laughs> yeah, yeah and I feel like <laughs> and I feel like for Tamay right a lot of them are very plot centric so it's not just 
rom-com, it's not just focusing on the two characters themselves. There's usually quite a complex um, whole premise to it. And I know it sounds very like... It's not just the, you know, Western porn trope of the do you buy pizza but have no money to pay? <laughs> yeah, like people actually read the books or like watch the dramas for the plot on mm. top of the romance. Yeah, I, I know that... I, I feel like some people don't believe me when I say I read Tame for the plot, but I really do. <laughs> it's really written very well because you have to navigate a lot of things that um, normal straight content don't have to navigate. Yeah. And like, um, sometimes Tame is... People don't, uh, the two characters, they don't start off being very obviously in a ship, right? But at the end of the entire story, the reader is rewarded to like the happy ending, hopefully if it's a happy ending, after going through all the trials and tribulations and reading through like thousands of words because a lot of time are like extremely long. <laughs> yeah, so I love the fact that a lot of time the love story is bolstered by the plot. And because of the censorship laws and stuff like that, there are actually a lot of euphemisms even within the novel itself. So, for example, if the two characters are wearing red and it just kind of symbolizes that they're in a marriage but not really, this kind of stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. And um, in Tamei, there are two broad categories, one called Qing Shui Wen, one called Rou Wen, and it comes from food, okay? So Rou Wen just means like, meaty content, it means very sexually explicit content. Qing Shui Wen means you're just drinking a bowl of plain water. So usually it's like the very cute like um, high school love story kind of content. Yeah, and I know that um, for the websites that I read, right, um, I actually end up skipping a lot of the sexual content because it just censors it for me. So there will be like three asterisk her here, which means social harmony. Three asterisk <laughs> to show me that you are not to be harmonized. Okay, I think it's a pun mm. it, on the fact that you harmonize, like you kind of censor things, but also that they are in harmony with each other. No! <laughs> okay, moving on. I love that. Yeah, but like like she mentioned, a lot of these websites um they are pirated because if you read the original web novels on Xinjiang and you pay for it, I, I'm sure you get the whole mm. thing. But if you have to put it on a different website, a lot of the times the website might have restrictions. Mm. So they will censor it for you automatically. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like for Tan Ming, it has grown to be such a big genre that it has its own cultural tropes. So when we mentioned just now, there's the Wuxia and Xianxia. And I think specific to this trope, right, which has a lot of like cultivation and spiritual um, uh, content in it, there's this concept called Shuangxiu, which gives like... Isn't Shuangxiu just, just like sex in the... Yeah, it's like sex in the Wuxia Xianxia context. Like, in order for us to both level up in terms of spirituality... We like, have to fuck. To... <laughs> yeah! Fuck to level up! It's <laughs> like some porn game, I'm so confused. Can you get her excited or, or something like that? <laughs> but... Yeah, and then um, there are other tropes like transmigration and rebirth. So transmigration means like this person, let's say, is in the modern era, then they fall into like some ancient era. Time travel, right? Yeah, basically that. But it's called transmigration. <laughs> of course, normally it's like you die in the modern era, then you go yeah. into someone else's body. That's why. Yeah, so that's for Feng Yu Jiu Tian, which is like one of my first Chinese PR. And then there's also rebirth and revenge, or like maybe when, okay, originally the couple, right, was in an abusive relationship and then one of them dies because of that. So there's always, that, this one is like the 追妻火葬场 kind of trope where you realise that, ah shit, I shouldn't have treated him so badly and now he's dead and then like, they will like, replay everything and like, try to like, amend their mistakes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I feel like a lot of these tropes are very hard to translate but I know that there's this publishing uh, company called Seven Seas who are doing their best. Um, so thank you for 
bringing Chinese beer to the world. Yeah, I have friends who actually read like the more popular works mm. on that actually read the translated versions of the more popular works and do that's you, how they got into it. Do you know how popular they are? Like overseas they're like New York Times bestsellers. Oh damn. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm, I'm like amazed. I, I mean, I okay, I'm not sure whether their fame actually says more about BL or about China's soft power, but um, yeah. I guess a little bit of both. Mm-mm. But also about how much money the actual Chinese publishers are losing out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so talking about like all these different subtleties within the Chinese BL genre, we have to talk about the aspect that kind of makes Chinese BL the way it is and mm. distinguishes it from other BL even within like the East Asian or Asian community. The creativity born out of limitations. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one term that most people must be very familiar with is socialist brotherhood or Chinese is <laughs> So basically, um, because of censorship, mm. the characters cannot be explicitly gay for each other. They cannot say, you are my boyfriend, they cannot say, I love you, they cannot like, you know, mm. hold hands or hug in Mm-mm. that kind of romantic way. Mm. So how would you convey the message that they are supposed to be a couple without offending the gods <laughs> in CCP? <laughs> so <The> CCTVs. <laughs> yeah, so um, the way that a lot of the uh, adaptations hide it, or even the original source material hide it, is that they call it socialist brotherhood. It's kind of like, you are my brother, you are my kin. No homo, but I will die for you. Like, bro, no homo. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they kind of, especially, they started off with Guardian, where mm. there will literally be scenes of the male character looking at the other male character and thinking in their head in a monologue, I guess this is what friendship is. Or, I guess this is what brotherhood is. And then people were like, bruh. It's like self-brainwash. Like, sure, whatever you tell yourself to sleep. Like, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the um, modern tropes include like sharing a bunk or like their bunkmates, roommates or like classmates. Mm. And in the more ancient settings or the other alternative universe, they're like swan blood brothers, mm. which is a concept that is very unique to China, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So um, this kind of is born out of the need to pass censorship, which we will now get into. <laughs> yeah, okay, so for census written in China, actually for BL content or just queer content in general, the legal status remains quite murky due to China's censorship policies. So um, actually there's a certain irony in this, which that in the Communist Manifesto, it champions that there's equality for all, right? So regardless of your class, regardless of where you come from, everybody should uh, be able to be entitled to the same kind of welfare and the same kind of services and stuff like that. But it seems like when it comes to people's gender and sexuality, if you're queer, you're not entitled to this kind of rights, which is very sad. But at the same time, I feel like maybe when like the communist manifesto was being perpetrated back then, like gender and sexuality weren't concepts that people were thinking about. So like, it was just automatically excluded. You know? It's kind of like, um, I, I won't say, I won't blame this on communism. Communism have other things that I can blame. <laughs> um, but like, I think China's version of communism or socialism is very different from the original communist manifesto. Mm. Yeah, like, you look at their economy, it's not communist at all. So, <laughs> but the thing is, um, it's essentially, a at the end of it's the day, a bit hypocritical for you to be to claim to be a communist regime or a socialist regime and then not offer equal rights to all your citizens. Mm. But I mean, that's not the first thing they are hypocritical about. So moving on. Yeah. I feel like things have changed over the years, maybe for the worse. worse. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say. But under uh... a specific um, leader. <laughs> <laughs> Who cannot stop being the leader right now. <laughs> 
Perhaps we need a pool. If you know, you know. I think we're gonna disappear. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so the problem for Tang and media, in, and specifically Tang and media, is that it's constantly at risk of legal action by the Chinese government because of two things. It breaks two social taboos in one shot, which is pornography and homosexuality. So as we mentioned just now, a lot of um, outsiders' view of Tang is definitely Rowan. It's definitely all about sex all the way, which is not allowed in China, whether it's in terms of text-based or like visual-based content. And secondly, it will be homosexuality, which actually is a very grey area because the queer communities are not entirely underground in China, but at the same time, they're not like supported from the top down um, in a very like in the light kind of way. And actually, homosexuality itself was decriminalized in China in 1997. But as you can see, in the past 20 plus years, it's not like they have progressed <laughs> much progress. It's like maybe the government doesn't really restrict their freedom in a more obvious way nowadays, but at the same time, they are not openly given space. Yeah, yeah. they're not really recognised in mm. the legal sense. In terms of different rights like gay marriage, that's obviously not allowed, but mm. also other forms of welfare. So overall, the censorship laws surrounding LGBTQ, especially BL content, mm. is actually unevenly enforced. Mm. So a lot of the times, it seems like the Chinese government has a rather reactive role mm. or response in terms of the enforcement of censorship surrounding BL content. Long story short, it seems like if you make BL content on the low and it doesn't get, garner a lot of attention, people will just kind of let that slide. Yeah, but okay. once it yeah. gets too much attention and becomes too mainstream, then the authorities become very alert mm. in the past. So we will talk about what happens. Like There was a very clear milestone that and turning point that changed mm. a lot of things for BL content in China. But definitely it was deemed like BL content in general is deemed very sensitive and it's inconsistently but regularly removed. It's like a tangent I feel. It's like you, you reach this level of popularity then you cannot touch it. You must go down. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah and, yeah. and in Jing Nan's words it's I spy gay no like <laughs> according to the government. Yeah. So like um before the films itself were being censored actually previously there were also certain cases of Tan Mei writers themselves uh, being jailed for using too much pornography in their writing. So, for example, in 2014, there was a writer called Big Grey Wolf Da Hui Lang who was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. And in 2018, there was a Danmei author who identifies as, identifies as Liu Nu who was sentenced to more than a decade in prison for writing about gay men <sighs> in a relationship. Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of sad and I feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because um, in the past, a lot of the... I mean, I wouldn't say that it's always been very free and easy, but definitely a lot of Tamei sites have been disappearing over the years. And I remember when I was in secondary school, I could read Tamei from a lot of websites. But, and there was a specific one called Ling Yi Xiang, which Ling and Yi actually map onto like bottom and top, top roughly. Yeah, and Ling Yi also sounds like Li Yu, which is like a cup. So like Ling Yi Xiang's tagline was, no matter how many times the government tries to ban us and remove us, you can always come home. <sighs> which is like a very warm and sad core memory for me. <laughs> Um, yeah, but overall it's a self-fulfilling prophecy as I said because because these websites keep disappearing right nowadays when I try to read BL I have to end up on like very dodgy websites with like terrible font and like question marks to replace some of the characters and they will have like porn ads everywhere 
which I'm very desensitized to by now. It's like watching pirated anime on those sketchy websites, mm. and then you just have to get used to the fact that the ads take up three quarters. Yeah, of the, yeah I was like the what of the oh. screen, and it's like single ladies the in your plastic area. Plastic surgeons hit her. Find out how she stays youthful for ten years. Stupid shit. So it's like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From the top down, when something is relegated to an illegal status, and then from the bottom up, it's also like sidelined from like the society pe- society's point of view. Then it further clouds the perception of BL, and it just doesn't really give it space for any like creative freedom. Yeah. yeah. So talking about the different turning points in the BL censorship history, mm. the first significant milestone was 2016 where there was a ban of the work Addicted or Shangying mm. which was removed from official media channels a few episodes into the release um, because it so there was a curtail of overtly homosexual themes in the media and because of that 2016 ban a lot of the producers have found different ways to navigate the restrictions by having more suggestive and subtle mm. uh, expressions of romantic relationships and offline fan service like we mentioned the after service after care service to kind of encourage the fan base to keep watching even though the drama itself really doesn't seem that romantic mm. so another band that was much more significant and on a much bigger scale was the 2021 summer band mm. where the Chi- where Chinese authorities imposed several bands on BL and done make adapted dramas as the state considers the genre and works to be to have deformed taste a malevolent culture that is wrong erotic and violent their words not mine <laughs> and even though the dramas have been re- have replaced explicit homosexual relationships with bromance or socialist brotherhood like we have mentioned mm. they was completely shut down and not allowed that meant that productions that have already finished filming and mm. were set to be released could not release their works mm. productions that were in the middle of filming had to be shut down and you know like contracts were broken everything I think in total about 60 different dramas were cancelled mm. so it was very significant I think one notable one that our half fans are still very sad about is Hao Yi Sing which is basically stuck in production for years by now yeah yeah so like this happened in the summer of 2021 so mm. around September which the, is after Shan He Ling yeah so mm. essentially the timeline goes uh, January 2021 Word of Honor is broadcasted gains massive popularity and success mm. this attention becomes very mainstream and garners you know attention from the state government and mm. then that summer which is like less than half a year later mm. um, the government and authorities crack down on all of these BL adaptations as well as BL works in general mm. and they also denounced the idea of CC boys which is a very negative and derogati- derogatory way to address effeminate men. Beha- effeminate behaving men or effeminate mm. dressing men mm-hmm. and they call it as abnormal aesthetics that are harmful for morality and art overall indicating a high level of intolerance for these subcultures in the patriarchal mainstream society mm. I think this, these are two issues that from the government point of view are jumbled into one so yeah. gender and sexuality become conflated and I think that's a train of thought that because there are uh, guys nowadays especially celebrities who let's say present themselves let's say in long hair or like they have very close relationships with other male celebrities then in the eyes of the government this is also considered like borderline in the BL direction and because of the kind of examples they are setting for the future generation who are easily influenced, it's not allowed to have this kind of representations at all, which I feel like really doesn't make sense. Yeah. Another perspective as to why the state government Mm-mm. banned BL is because of Xi Jinping, which is the Chinese president's growing obsession with nationalism and mm. the idea that nationalism is a very masculine ideology. Mm. So one Tsinghua opinion piece in 2018 stated that whether a country embraces or rejects effeminate men um, 
but they didn't use the word effeminate man, they used the word sissy. <laughs> it's a grave matter that affects the nation's future. So the, the underlying subtext is that the emphasis on manliness is China's need for strong men to defend the nation. Mm. So I saw literally like posts online by netizens saying like showing photos of men in military outfits, mm. like, you know, soldiers, compared to Chinese idols who have, you know, bleached hair and like mm. wearing a lot of makeup mm. and they're like, is this what our country has become? If all our men look like this, who is going to defend the nation? <laughs> Which is very, very misogynistic and also very ignorant and misinformed in general. Mm. But essentially, it is a distorted rationale that forbidding such themes will correct the society's perception of mm. gender norms and gender roles mm. and kind of reinforce the heteronormative um, idea that people should be in heterosexual nuclear families yeah. which is very very i would guess restrictive talk, yeah sad. like yeah. very sad so there's a whole if you look at chinese um if you look at chinese policies in recent years there is very much a trend to push the entire country towards that single narrative of having a heterosexual nuclear family especially if you're you have as many children as possible due to china declining population mm. and aging population so this is the China's government way of kind of restricting people's lives to ensure that they fit that one singular pathway of getting into a heterosexual relationship, having children, you know, conforming to gender norms and gender roles as a Chinese citizen. And the best comparison I can have is to that of the US right now, mm. where there are a lot of um, oppression from the more conservative parties to kind of target trans people as well as drag queens because they feel like that is harmful to society mm. it's that same kind of misinformed view and perspective that mm. this will you know like I hate it so much when they say like think of the children this is harmful to the children yeah, 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 yeah. because it's the idea of like just because I see a BL drama or a work on the television screen mm -hmm. that features a homosexual relationship that somehow I will turn homosexual yeah. even though they ignore the fact that we are living in a heteronormative society <laughs> and 90% of everything that we consume is heterosexual couples mm. so by that logic shouldn't everyone be heterosexual yeah. and, and also if you turn gay from watching gay media you probably already oh, had inclusion in the first place it's just that you never had any representation that you can relate to and finally watching this kind of media allows you to explore who you really feel like you are and how you can fit into the rest of society and I feel like it's extremely screwed up because I know that there are also like reforms in the education system in terms of physical education and sex ed for China in order to like groom the boys to be masculine from, from yeah. like young yeah, yeah. like in, it's kind of like indoctrination where mm -hmm. they are literally telling boys this is the way you should behave and any deviation from that you will be labelled by the state government that you are a sissy that like you will be they will be insulting you with derogatory terms that this is not the right way to be a person or to be a man but like that's not how individuality works and freedom works so I mean it is very frustrating mm. in general because the ramifications of restricting and censoring such content by putting it in a very extremely negative light go beyond um, affecting the fan bases who mm. enjoy BL. It also sends a message of the state government's position on what it means to express yourself in certain ways, that it is prohibited, that it is frowned upon, that it is morally somehow incorrect and wrong. Mm. And I feel like specific to Chinese culture and maybe East Asian culture in general, like shame is a very strong emotion that is used to govern people socially. Yeah, yeah so even if from top down, um, okay, 
I wouldn't say even with just specifically because of the top-down kind of like illegalization of certain things, then your own social circle might also impose shame on you for liking certain things. Yeah, so, much definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And talking about real social issues, right? Just now, Tina mentioned um something that's problematic within the Dami community, which is RPF, real person fiction or real person fan fiction. And I think Tina would have a lot more things to say about RPF than I do. So. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. So the problem, personally, I think with real person fiction mm. is that you are shipping and you are enforcing your personal views and opinion on a real, um, pe- on real people's relationships, mm. which is very invasive and very personal, and very very uncalled for. So the best way I can, the best comparison I can draw to this would be the avid fans that used to ship One Direction with each other. And that wrote explicit fan fiction, and you know, constantly bombarded them on social media with whatever that they thought was the right ships, and that kind of tore One Direction apart, and it broke a couple of their actual relationships and friendships with one another because it's so difficult to be a friend with someone that you know millions of people fantasize you sleeping with in very explicit mm. manner. In general, I don't actually support RPF regardless of the sexuality, mm. be it homosexual or heterosexual. Mm. Like one good example I can think of is right now. Um, recently, Taylor Swift just broke up again. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> again, yes. Um, and people were very up in arms about it. Yes, I understand that it's a parasocial relationship that is attached to this issue, but mm. I think the biggest problem here is not the parasocial relationship, but the fact that people feel entitled to comment on other people's relationships, mm. especially romantic relationships. Mm. It's very invasive, like I mentioned, and it does the party either party no good mm. because you're overly invested in someone who is not any of your business. And the second thing is, it really hurts and harms the actual celebrity or public figure and their personal lives. Mm. So one aspect of that is. This Chinese YouTuber that I watch called Meng Shu, Wang Bu Hong Meng Shu, yeah, and he has a he has so he's a male YouTuber who kind of reviews food and just talks about he's quite funny, yeah, <laughs> and reviews food and talks about trends in China, mm. and he has a friend who is also a partner in his business Apu and Baba. yeah, Apu mm. Baba. So the two of them were kind of. Share food or like review food together, mm. even though Apple Papa is off screen and he's on screen. Mm. But the comments will be full of people who ship them to be a couple, <laughs> and it will go to the point of things like he will take a bite out of bread and he'll pass it on, and then someone in the comment will be like, "Oh my god, they shared indirect like, kiss, indirect kiss, <laughs> they were sharing food, so cute." And then every single thing, like even the smallest detail, can be spun into this narrative of, "Oh my god, they must be such a loving couple," even though it was never explicitly mentioned that they are anything more than friends, mm. and it got. To the point where, in a recent video of his that I was watching, he said that um, he had to cut out and edit out a lot of things that he said in the videos, or he had to refrain himself from saying certain things because he's scared that it might be misinterpreted, and that he did not want to get famous for selling and profiting off the idea that he is possibly in a gay relationship. He doesn't want to lie to us. Yeah, so mm. it's very um, it is gotten overboard to the point where people are. Seeing things where there aren't anything,、Mm-mm. yeah, and that can do a lot of damage to actual real real life people.、Mm. So it's kind of how like tabloids are very problematic.、Mm. I can I see this in a similar light. So yeah, those are my thoughts on RPF. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you also because especially for the celebrities and being obsessively parasocial with them. Like at the end of the day, you have to understand that celebrities are people too, and、yeah. even though. Maybe ninety nine percent of their career is like in like it revolves around them performing and creating a certain image for themselves. At the end of the day, like 
you have to segregate work life from like actual personal life and not be how do I say this like not just install CCTVs in their life and just uh, make stories out of every single action they do and I think specific to BL ships right like in general I already know that male friendships sometimes are harder to be intimate than female friendships because of this like oh if we touch them we're probably gay and then like if we share moments of emotional intimacy and if we cry in front of each other then we're maybe like gay or sissy like there are a lot of these kinds of uh, gender scripts that are imposed onto men in general so um, in the case of let's say Wang Bu Hong Meng Shu and Wang Abu Baba because of the fantasies that fans have they find it very hard to even show little bits of intimacy with each other as friends which is very harmful and like I think the China parallel to one direction would be TF Boys yes definitely yeah and okay TF Boys is like um, a culture it's like a cultural icon I would say so there are three very young boys who were trained by a company and they debuted as uh, singer dancers but <clears throat> so in the these three boys right two of them were from the same hometown so Chai Mao that's from Beijing and I know that there are people who really really ship two of them and the third one gets neglected and people get very pissed off over like the differences in um, fan attention and people actually fight over like which kind of ships should make sense and overall it just really ruined their friendships and now they cannot even operate as a group together yeah like their company their management company actually physically separated them in them. all sorts of public events including mm. like even the most recent award ceremony they could not stand next to each other they were not allowed to even acknowledge each other's presence in public mm. because of the fear of the fan wars that would be waged mm. so yeah it's gotten pretty toxic in my personal opinion and pretty unnecessary as well yeah yeah so like I, it like yeah that's all yeah i think you have to remember that because of how social media transmits information so quickly nowadays, the kind of RPF content that you put out might be easily seen by the people that you ship. I mean, I know that some people are totally fine with it and they might actually say it in their interviews, but some people have, like some celebs have openly commented that they're not actually comfortable with it. Like even VTubers say that they're not, they're not comfortable with it. Like Dan and Phil, like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, the fans, the, it was really overboard to be very honest. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, your personal creative freedom, whether or not it infringes on someone else's freedom to be who they want to be. Yeah, so I think that's a very sticky issue to deal with. But okay, so moving on from the sadder stuff. <laughs> okay, just now we mentioned how like male friendships and female friendships work slightly differently from each other, right? So we're going to go into GL, which is the other side of BL. So I, I think an episode, a BL episode wouldn't be complete without talking a bit about GL in China also. Yeah, so girls love actually also exists as a genre in China, but it's not as popular. And as I previously mentioned, one of them, it could be because the female audience that reads this kind of content, they can't really relate to GL as much. And, and there's no male audience for like GL because if guys wanted to, they would just watch lesbian <laughs> porn. <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> no, I'm speaking the truth. Okay, like, but to all the Fudanshis out there, we support you. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Right, like, yeah. yeah, but go on. Yeah, yeah, but there's one specific GL manhua that I've read before. It's called Taman de Gushi, and I really, really like it. So, I think in terms of, like, art style and humor level, it's a bit like 19 Days, so it's, like, set in a high school context. The art style is very, like, chill and relaxed. But I think this one is more emotionally sensitive and the characters themselves they go through like growing up pains and stuff like that so 
yeah, actually in the past, um, okay, this opened a whole new world for me because in the past, I didn't really understand the appeal of GL because, oh, sorry, I'm straight. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, but after reading this, I realized that, um, how do I say this? Like, when I am interacting with my female friends, I'm very, like, physically intimate with them. And even if not all my female friends are straight themselves. But after reading Tawanakushu, I realized that, like, this kind of intimacy can manifest in different ways or so. And I just love the way that it's being written. So I think, like, good writing can actually change your perception or stuff. And I feel like for GL, right, it's getting more visible in recent years, especially because of the clampdown on Tangai. So, you know, people who really want some queer content, they have to, like, find it elsewhere. But I think for GL, um, a lot of the GL that are very popular aren't actually GL productions. And they're not really based off GL novels or whatever. So, for example, there's this Chinese drama called 了不起的女孩. And then the two actors, uh, actresses, Li, Li Tong and Jin Chen, there's actually a CP for them called Jin Tong Yu Nü. And actually it ranked like on top for the Weibo like CP uh, ranking list because um, I think the appeal for GL is like a girls help girls situation and like even if the world sucks I always have your back and I think there's this trope of like oh all the men suck we don't need no men yeah we don't need no men like all the men <laughs> suck and stuff like that so like nowadays there's also a lot of 双女主剧 so like let's say in a like career situation or let's say in a historical context there are like a lot of glass ceilings and uh, limitation placed on women, but these women they will always back each other up and help each other. And I know for Yan Xi Gong Lue, right? Mm -hmm. um, even though it's a uh, actually a straight drama, straight, yeah. people are actually ship weighing a lot of female lead with the Huang Hou. Yeah, yeah, because like it's like at the end of the day, they go through so much shit and their own like they only have each other as their true best friend. Yeah, yeah, and um, but for GL dramas that are really quite GL, I know that Shuang Jing that my friend is really obsessed with, mm -hmm. and I still haven't watched it yet. But that one is really cool because it's set in like Mingguo Shiqi and like one of them have like guns and it's like very cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so another aspect of GL that is quite popular in mainstream China right now is the concept of um, certain female celebrities presenting themselves as more tops mm. uh, and not in the conventional sense I guess because a lot of the tops right that I've seen that are very popular are femdom tops so mm. it's not like butch or any of those they're like, like other expressions of you know lesbian relationships mm. they are very specifically femdom and mm. i guess it kind of um attracts and draws in the attention of women who want to who fantasize that they are like the stiletto wearing red lip wearing um blazer, eyeliner wing eyeliner to the god they have like the the arm Bob. pad thing oh yeah, yeah shoulder pad shoulder, yeah, shoulder pad, pad. Yeah, yeah you know like they they want to kind of emulate that themselves and they find it very attractive in other women. So not necessarily in a homosexual way, but in a very gen gender envy kind of way. Mm. So um, a lot of the very famous celebrities are kind of grouped into this category called Ji Chen Da Lao, which is... So Ji Chen actually... Okay, Ji Chen Da Lao is actually like a long form adapted from the derogatory word to represent like gays, which is Ji Lao. But Ji Chen Da Lao means like the top femmes, femme tops within the, the social circle of like princesses. So Ji represents princess, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's inspired by uh, certain celebrities. Western ones include Kate Blanchett, Ruby Rose, and Cara Delevingne. Mm. So Kate Blanchett actually has the term uh, 大魔王凯特, which mm. is like um, demon uh, Kate Blanchett. Demon Lord. Demon Lord Kate Blanchett, yeah. but in a very um, endearing way. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So like every time she is shipped with other celebrities, like 
I think it might be also because she's taller, but she just has like massive top energy yeah. and people just ship her as a top all the time. Okay. For local Chinese celebrities, um, notable examples include Zhang Tianai and Shen Wang Chen. Okay, I think for Zhang Tianai there are two things. One is when she was acting in this show called Tai Zi Fei Sheng Zhi Ji, she was cross-dressing the whole time mm. and she called herself Lao Gong, which is like Habi. So like that's the kind of image that she branded herself with. But another thing is, I think within the Chinese female celeb sphere, they like to like show physical affection to each other a lot. So there's this concept called kabedon in from imported from Japan, which is like you slam someone against the wall and like confess to them. But for Zhang Tianai, because she started off as a dancer, she's very flexible, so she does something called asidon, where she will just literally do a split against the wall, and yeah, she does that to other celebrities. And I know that some female celebs in China they like to do that to each other. Yeah. Okay, then we'll move on to Liu Tao who has massive girl boss vibes and I think Jing Nan is a big fan so yeah. she knows more about it. No, okay, so basically she was um she was a very famous female actress and one of her favorite one of my favorite roles of hers is that of Nirvana and Fire. Mm. And first of all she's very beautiful. Second of all, um she also has like massive top vibes mm. where she's very girl boss and takes charge mm. and a lot of the times her interactions with other female celebrities she will be like because she's slightly older, she will be like the mom and yeah, take care of things yeah. and kind of, you know, takes charge. Mm. So a lot of people are very into that. <laughs> Such a singer. <laughs> Stop! Okay. Like she also likes to like kiss like other celebs also in like a friendly way, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think like because she acted in this show called Huan Le Song where she was basically literally a girl boss yeah. who like directed the entire relationship with her like male counterpart. So like that gave her like massive top mom energy. Mm. Yeah, and then moving on, there's another a very interesting person called Liu Yifei, and she's actually she actually has two names within the Ji Quan. One is called Tian Xian Gong, so she's like a top who's like a very spiritual angelic girl. Another one is Guo Ming Lao Gong, which means everybody's husband. Yeah, yeah, national husband. National husband. Yeah. So like Liu Yifei, actually, right when she first debuted, she acted in a lot of historical Chinese dramas where she appears like floating in the air, like a female like angel. angel. Yeah, but when like offline during interviews she's just like she really has like a lot of girl boss swag so i remember during this interview where the interviewer asked her okay your counterpart male lead he listed these things that he likes in a woman and you don't seem to like um, embody all embody of them like then she was like i don't care like <laughs> why do i have to care about what he likes and yeah. like, i love it girl boss <laughs> yeah i absolutely love it she's just so girl boss yeah and another example of girl boss is this cancelled um chinese actress called fan bingbing <laughs> Her nickname is actually Fan Ye. So mm. Ye is like a male term reserved for people who are either older or full of swag or like, you know, like I, I can't find another description for it. But anyway, <laughs> it's like Fan Boss kind of vibe. Master of the house. Master of the house mm-hmm. lot kind of vibes. And um, she said something in an interview that was essentially the same thing that Cher, you know, the Western pop artist Cher, mm. said many, many years ago where um, people ask, are you going to marry a very rich person or a very rich man? And then she said, I am a very rich man. Like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah she's very problematic for evading taxes, but that was very cool of her. <laughs> yeah, what do you call that? Like, go back to our celebrity scandals episode if you want to know more about that. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> shout out to ourselves. <laughs> Now that we discuss a little bit more about GL in China along with BL, Ufa actually has some thoughts to share from her thesis that she wrote. Mm, okay, yeah, so a lot of the content that we share in this uh, episode on BL is actually inspired by my interactions with the BL community online. So uh, in my graduating thesis, I actually uh, explored imagined communities in Chinese diasporic audiences through the cultural consumption of the untamed 
And to me, my thesis is like a cornerstone in my life thus far because it made me realize the power that we as individuals can have when we embrace our passions, which, you know, gave birth to this podcast, kind of. Yeah, so the context is I reached out to like global audiences within the Chinese diaspora who really, really love The Untamed or like they watch Mo Dao Zhu Shi, the Donghuan and stuff like that. And very dedicated members of the community actually reached out to me and agreed to be interviewed for like one hour plus of their time with like nothing in return. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And what I learned from them primarily is that The Untamed as a piece of media was very transformative for them. Through Untamed, they could explore their own sexuality, their gender, and even their own Chinese-ness, and even their own sense of morality, and they could reconcile with the alienation that they felt when they were children, especially for people within the Chinese diaspora who are born in more like white-centric places that are also quite xenophobic to Chinese people sometimes. And so what I learned from all of them is that the diverse representation in the media they might not have exposure to growing up actually gave them a lot of opportunities to explore who they really are and to reclaim their identity with pride. So like for example in Singapore, right, there are a lot of people who are like bananas, so like they're Chinese people, but they're very like whitewashed on the inside. But because of having watched The Untamed, they actually gain more interest in their own culture and they could actually like um, dig more into very like specific literary references that they wouldn't have ever been interested in, in um, be, if they never watched The Untamed and because of that there's also an entire community that creates like fan art, fanfic, meta threads to like help each other understand specific things about Chinese culture and a lot of the fans are like of a more mature audience I guess in general so they actually talk about like real life issues like uh, mental health due to having to deal with like their own gender and sexuality not being accepted within their community and stuff like that and overall time it was just a very good, uh, a very positive way for them to open conversations online. So, and the thing about online communities is that you can remain anonymous to a certain extent. So this actually gave them a form of protection. And I know that there are some discords, for example, the Tamay Diaspora Discord, where like, it's just a very nice combination of like different people with, um, who share certain similar experiences. Uh, with consuming Tanmei and also with being part of the Chinese diaspora, they come together and they can discuss things that maybe people within their own real-life social circles would not be able to relate to. So um, for me, it's been very heartening to see all these things happening. And to me, it's also kind of sad that um, BL now is seen as something that's illegal due to top-down censorship and also sideline due to stereotypes from outsiders who kind of demonize BL. But um, thank you to everyone out there who are advocating for more representations in all aspects of the human experience. And if you think about media consumption, the kind of meanings a text can symbolize to the audience really is the multi-way relationship between the source and the community that builds up around it. And I'm glad that overall it's been such a warm place for people to find themselves. So like, okay, honestly, like I really just went on an entire like verbal diary rampage, but I just feel like mm, this is like kind of my love letter to thank all the people who came to speak to me about your experiences. So like, um, thank you for having the faith in me to share your stories with me and make my writing journey even more meaningful than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, yeah, and speaking from someone who didn't write a thesis, I think that a lot of people might be very unfamiliar with the community who enjoys BL. So if you've clicked on this video, either you are already a fan or you are just interested, 
So thank you for listening thus far. And if you are not very familiar with what BL really stands for and what is really going on in the community, mm. we hope that we've kind of opened your mind up a little to what possibilities BL can carry because it has so many different subgenres mm. and so many different possibilities in terms of going beyond just romantic relationships a or lot of just alternate universes. Yeah, also. or just sex and. We hope that we have dispelled some of the negative stereotypes mm. or at least gave you a little bit more understanding into what BR really is about. And a quote that I really think is very important in response to all the censorship surrounding BL or LGBTQ media in general is that um, someone once said, I might disagree with what you say, but I will die to protect your right to say what you think. Mm. And I think that is very important because like what Ufan mentioned, different types of representation, even though it may not meant to have been representation, even if it meant to be a fantasy, mm. can allow people to identify themselves and see glimpses of themselves in those media, as well as explore different possibilities when it comes to gender expression, sexuality, orientation, or just simple things like imagining what love can be when restricted by societal norms. Mm. So I feel like it is very important for us as a society to hold space for different types of expression and different forms of artwork, be it something that is socially taboo or be it something that you do not actually understand what the appeal is. Mm. So we feel like it is very important to bring, to bring out this message that, you know, BL has certain connotations but BL is more than the certain connotations that you may have heard of. Mm. Yeah, so hopefully you have enjoyed our explanation thus far. We are not experts on the matter. She mm. is more expert than I am, but <laughs> we try our best I to cover... I only have an undergraduate degree, not a PhD <laughs> in BL. <laughs> yeah, we, want, we try to do our best to explain a little bit more about what we have already known and what um, our journeys have been. Mm. So thank you so much to those who have watched all 10 episodes of our podcast mm. and um, to those who have just come here for the first time welcome we hope that you like it and that you will continue watching us we are currently testing out this new video format so prior to this we only had audio podcasts mm. we will try and see if the video format gains us more viewership so because <laughs> and video- if you like our faces in general <laughs> If you don't like just say <laughs> No, I don't I mean, this is not this is not an invitation for cyberbullying. But yeah. So hopefully you enjoyed the video format. We might revert back to the audio format. We are never really sure. But either way, uh, this is the end of our podcast and it's time to shout out our socials. Yeah, okay. So we're actually on Instagram at china.through.sglasses where we'll upload our highlights and also for you to interact with us. For podcasts, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube. Hmm. So that's all for this episode on Chinese BL. The next episode will be on Chinese, Chinese films. films. See you. Bye. Bye.